0: lay in the bed for a whole minute listening to that repeated thud before he could place it, and in doing so come to a knowledge of where he was. The night before seemed as misty a memory as the horrible dream from which he had just surfaced. His dry mouth and leather tongue, plus the sour taste on his palate, told him that he had been drunk long before the lump of swollen flesh at the back of his throat gave him some idea of how much he had indulged in open-mouthed snoring. The thudding sound continued and it took time for him to realise it was that of a boat snubbing on the wooden jetty outside and below his window, striking the timbers each time it was lifted by a wave running into the deepest reaches of Portsmouth Harbour. Lifting himself to drink from a pitcher by his side, he groaned at the pain that seared through the top of his head, swallowing greedily to turn his tongue from fur to flesh, as some of what had happened the day before came back to him. That and all that occurred these last few months... A whirlwind of the press-gang, service at sea, storms, fighting the enemy less often than authority, and in doing so establishing the kind of friendships that a life of wanderings with his radical father had never allowed. What now of the confidence with which he had arrived in Portsmouth, sure in the knowledge that a promise he had made to the trio with whom he had been press-ganged months before would be fulfilled?' "'that they would, like him, have the freedom to follow their own wishes "'rather than stay as enforced sailors in King George's navy. "'He recalled the look of sheer pleasure on the midshipman's face "'as he informed this fellow, attired now in the uniform of a lieutenant, "'that those he had come to free were no longer in the anchorage "'or aboard H. M. S. Centurion, "'but had been shipped out on another vessel bound for the Mediterranean "'condemned to continue to serve because he had dallied for a day or two longer than he should have "'in the arms of a beautiful, wealthy, and indulgent woman. "'Stood on the deck of the fifty-gun warship, he looked on in dazed silence, "'at a loss to make sense of what had occurred, "'as the carpenters worked away to repair the damage inflicted in the recent action, "'fitting new bulwarks and deck-planking where they had been blown in or scarred by cannon-fire.' "'others peddling fast-turning lathes, "'carving out the newel-posts and uprights "'that would make up the replacement staircase rails. "'All around in the spithead anchorage "'lay the might of Britain's wooden walls, "'the great ships that were all that stood between tyranny "'and what the inhabitants of Albion took to be liberty. "'All the while that midshipman stood there, "'silent but mocking, "'declining the idea that he might provide further explanation.' The return journey across the anchorage seemed to add to that contempt, the Hyatt Wherry taking him past the damaged stern of Valmy, the seventy-four-gun French ship that he, along with his companions, had helped to capture. Soon, no doubt, she too would be repaired, would be renamed under a British flag before being sent back to sea, there to challenge those vessels which had once been her consorts. Ashore, Pierce had headed straight to a tavern crowded with soldiers, sailors— and as many locals, dockyard mateys, costermongers, draymen, and a sprinkling of fly types, ordering a flagon of French brandy and damn the expense, thus attracting attention to himself, for being now contraband, that was an expensive beverage. A fellow drinker identified him as the hero of the recent action. He had seen him come ashore ten days before, the talk of a port that lived off the king's navy and loved a victory." That had led to bumper after bumper to celebrate the first true triumph of the latest French war, drinks consumed with relish by a man who had no desire to think, only to forget. Now he knew he was in a narrow bed, but not precisely where, knew he felt like death, but was wholly alive, knew that he still had on the breeches, silk stockings, and silver buckled shoes bought for him by the generous Lady Annabel Fitzherbert. Sat up, he could see his new coat, dark blue, heavy broadcloth, was crumpled on the floor along with his black silk navel hat. A quick feel of his purse told him it was still inside his breeches and still near full, which led him to suspect that he had got very drunk on the coin and generosity of others, which was shaming. Head bent, Pierce reacted too sharply to the creaking door and sent a shaft of pain through his temples, which meant the person who entered addressed a man with his eyes shut tight and his head in his hands. There you are, sir, up and about at last. We had you down to sleep a month after the state you came to us in. The face, when he lifted his head and opened his eyes, was female, round, rosy-cheeked and affable, though the smile was without a single...